welcome to Dreams and Conversation podcast with Christy and Tiffany. Tiffany, hello everybody. Hi there, how are you? I'm good. Hello everybody. Welcome to Drinks and Conversations with Christy and Tiffany. I'm Christy. And this is Tiffany. And tonight we have a uh, true crime that happened. Um, gosh, I was probably a year old when it happened back in 1965. Um, it's about uh, Sylvia Likens. Um it was a story that interested me years ago that I had read on a true crime page. Um, and then I came across a movie that they had made about it called An American Crime or The American Crime or An American Crime. Um, it's really tragic. This young girl was um, abused to the point of death where she died on October 26, 1965. Um, her this happened uh, in uh, in Indiana. Uh, yes, in Indiana. Um, and it, it's just tragic. It's tragic that this could happen. That um, her, you know, her parents worked at a carnival, and they had, you know, this woman Gertrude, um, Gertrude Banizuski. I think that's how it's pronounced, mm -hmm. had offered to watch these. Yeah, they were going to go. Mm -hmm. Yes, and the father was supposed to be sending, what, $20 every couple of weeks, I think it was, which I guess back then $20 was a lot. Um, yeah. 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 They were going to be gone for two months. Right. But then, the stuff that we're going to talk about Christy's going to talk about some stuff she read uh, that she found information on regarding the movie that we're going to talk about is uh, on YouTube. You can watch for free. So all the stuff we say is based on um, court transcripts and stuff. And then Christy's going to some stuff that she found also more detailed. Yes. So I'll um, let you. Yes. Um Sylvia was 16 at the time. She was born on January 3rd, 1949. She died on October 26, 1965. Um, she was tortured and murdered um, by her caregiver at the time, Gertrude Banaszewski, and many of Gertrude's children. Um, in the movie, it says there were six, but she actually had seven. Sometimes they'll leave a child out or whatever for the sake of not having to pay an extra kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she died um, of extensive injuries and malnourishment. Um, and it, the abuse lasted for three months. So it had to have started in July. I was thinking August, but it was July. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, August, September, yeah. Uh, three months and that's a long time and most of it took place down in the cellar um this woman would bring in the neighbor kids and let the neighbor kids abuse her her own children abused her mm -hmm. um it, it just broke my heart when i read this story because i read the story before i ever saw the movie and it's yeah. Yes. Well, the movie portrays the movie portrays. Uh, I think it was a neighbor boy and one of the uh, two boys. They took her and threw her down into the ba to the basement, and that's yes. when she like she couldn't even move for quite a few days in the movie. Uh, she was just on her back, and that's when the kids started going down there and torturing her. And Gertrude was with torturing her, and their parents, less I think his name Lester Likens and Betty Likens. Yes. Um, I can't remember if they sh portrayed them as being split up in the beginning of the movie. And then the dad went to the mom and said, come on, let's, I want you to come with me. And she said, I'm not moving the girls again. I don't want to keep doing that to them. So that's why they had left. They found Gertrude to watch them for two months while they went to the carnival and tried to make money. So, um, to support all of them. And that's during this time is when we're talking about when they were tortured. Well, Sylvia was, Jenny never was, right? 
Um, yes, I she was took just, some things. Uh, what happened was um, the $20 a week, it was $20 a week that her dad and her parents were supposed to send. Um, occasionally, they would arrive one or two days late. So in response to that, Gertrude started beating the sisters on their bare butts with various instruments, such as a one quarter inch thick paddle, making statements, well, I do care of you two little bitches for a few, for a week for nothing. Um, yeah, that's what yeah, she said. One, right, on one occasion, um, the, both girls were beaten approximately 15 times on the back with aforementioned paddle after Paula had accused the sisters of eating too much food at a church supper the household children had attended. Um, wow. Yes, yes. Um, the initial abuse included subjecting uh, Sylvia to beatings and starvation, forcing her food to leftovers or spoiled food out of garbage cans. <sighs> oh, wow. I don't think they showed that. They didn't portray that in the movie. No, and the movie left a lot out. I'm actually looking at Wikipedia. Yeah, so, uh, yeah they left a lot out. Yeah, I don't think, well, I don't think they would have timed it. I mean, what they showed in the movie was horrifying enough. Right. I can't even imagine them putting everything that happened to her and, you know. And then exactly. one, of the, one, of Ger one of Gertrude's children would bring in the kids from school to burn her with cigarettes and she got she was burned all over like i can't even tell i mean they did it so many times to her in the movie it was awful and the kids then they did this on a daily basis to her for two for i don't even know how long it went on but it went on for a long time well there was a, a, a one occasion where the family were eating supper and gertrude paula and a neighborhood boy named randy gordon leper force-fed lichens, a hot dog, overloaded with condiments, including mustard, ketchup, and spices. Sylvia vomited as a result and was later forced to consume what she had regurgitated. So that that is just... I mean... That's awful. Yeah, yeah. And let, let's take a moment and explain, like, why we think the mother did all this, why Gertrude did all this. And from what I got is that she, she was a single mom. The father of all her children or fathers of her other children were never around. Um, she did have a small baby in the movie, uh, which that baby belonged to act. I don't remember his name in the movie, but he was played by James Franco, but he would just come in and you know, take money from her, beg her for money, whatever, and then leave and disappear. So she was always struggling. She ironed clothes daily for people to try to get extra money. It still was not enough. Um, she had an asthma issue they portrayed in the movie. And so she was always drinking what looked to be maybe like Robitussin or something to help her with her cough, but she probably wasn't treated properly for her asthma, obviously. So she was very um, lonely struggling single mom uh, I think she was mentally checking out from the beginning um, she was just tired and worn out and she basically punished Sylvia for all that she you know punched her around and stomped on her did all that stuff out of anger for herself and her life and she just used her as a punching bag um, yes so that's where she comes from so they didn't show anything prior to this her having kids, what her life was. They just showed her talking about, it was just obvious. She was just a single mom of all these children and had no husband there to help her, nothing. So trying to make ends meet and not, then this is not an excuse for what she did to Sylvia, but I'm, we're just explaining where she was coming from. And uh, you could tell in the movie, she was mentally kind of just not there. So, right. Um, she seemed quite a quite foggy in some scenes where she didn't even know what was going on. So no, and um, and to get your children to um, abuse somebody like this, um, like that, is just too much. I mean, um, in this yeah, it was a lot to watch. Yeah, Paula had actually Paula, who's the her oldest daughter, oldest actually hit Sylvia so hard in the jaw that she broke her wrist. 
um yeah and oh, like, is that what she okay so i remember that scene in the movie where she had her pinned on the floor and then she had her hand wrapped and somebody mm-hmm. said what did you do to your arm paula and she said oh i i was angry at sylvia so she broke it yeah it looked like she just sprained it oh okay right. so in real that life she in broke the movie it. but in in actuality she had broke she her wrist like her... mm-hmm. um and she later used the cast on her wrist to beat sylvia with it oh okay yes um gertrude would constantly accuse sylvia of prostitute uh, promiscuity and then aging in prostitution um yeah. you know she would yeah, force, yeah she would force jenny her sylvia's sister to strike her own sister beating jenny if jenny didn't do what she was told um, yeah mm-hmm. and the whole prostitution her. thing mm-hmm. yeah they would they would use sylvia as a practice dummy in violent judo sessions <sighs> so there's a lot that oh wasn't in the movie they didn't show half of what happened to this girl um well they could the part where she she carves that sentence on her stomach I don't remember yes. something about prostitute. I'm always going to be a prostitute or something like that. And they carved yes. it, Gertrude carved it on her stomach. And then she had the neighbor boy that was in love with her, was in love with Sylvia, had him finish it. And he was devastated because she was forcing him to do it. Right. But yeah, so she was scarred for life because um, she felt that Sylvia was trying to scar Paula by spreading rumors she was pregnant when in actuality she was pregnant. And but Sylvia found didn't the paper. Yeah, that and in, the movie, in the movie she found the paper where it said she was pregnant she was still denying it yeah yeah she still denied it still i couldn't believe it. that i wanted to jump yeah. through my tv and strangle that woman when i was watching the movie um, and the everybody Pepsi was Cola like bottle actually happened mm-hmm. yeah um i know that the pastor the pastor from their church came over and wanted to talk to her and asked her where Sylvia was because he hasn't seen her in a while because Sylvia and Jenny's parents and them always, they all went to the same church. So they knew of each right. other. Uh, Lester and Betty just didn't know who, Ger- they didn't know Gertrude personally. So when he came, uh, Gertrude had already told the children, if anybody asks where Sylvia is, you just tell them that she's in juvie. And so nobody questioned it. It's just, right. it so trips me out how back then in the 50s and 60s that people didn't pay attention people didn't care everything was hush hush it's nothing like it is now no like you would never be able to do that and get away with it like as far as long as she did neighbors would have called well there are some incidences not necessarily yeah um things have happened in today's world that um yeah shouldn't have people don't call Mm -hmm. nope or people don't pay attention enough. I mean, you know, I don't know. Like in the um, movie, that couple that lived next door, the elderly couple, and they're both in the front. Though the elderly woman kept hearing the screams all the time. And then another scene, the, her husband's out there with her and they hear yeah. the screaming and he's like, just ignore it. He's like, it's none of our business. And I was yeah. like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Yeah, like, I know. Seriously? Yep. Um, she would at one point she burned sylvia's fingertips with matches before whipping her a few days later gertrude repeatedly whipped jenny with the police belt after she reportedly stole a single tennis shoe from the school to wear on her strong foot because jenny um in true life had polio Mm -hmm. um and he said that in the beginning of the movie Oh, I must have missed that. They were on the bus. They were on the bus. Right. Um, But they never showed, they never showed like her foot or anything or her leg. Right. In the other movie I watched, which was The Girl Next Door, um, based on a book, um, the girl in the movie. That's on Netflix? Yes. That one's on Netflix? Um, Okay. uh The girls in that movie lost their parents in an automobile accident. And this oh. younger sister actually had braces on her legs because she was badly hurt from the car accident. Both girls were in the car and 
the person taking care of them and that was actually like a distant cousin of the mother's or something and she had all boys so and at one point you know she had told the boys i don't want you fucking her you're not gonna fuck her (laughs) and eventually though the oldest boy did and then the younger one wanted to she's like no that would be like incest you would be mixing with your brother i was like oh my god It, it was worse i mean that movie was worse than an american crime because she actually oh, okay. blowtorch <laughs> to this girl in that movie and burned off her clitoris oh so maybe so maybe they portrayed some of the stuff in one they and did took because the other that stuff. actually happened to sylvia where she uh where gertrude uh damaged her genitals which i'm guessing um yeah oh my god so she yeah in in the movie i watched today that was called uh the girl next door she took a blowtorch and burned off her clitoris because that's where you feel you know you're yes oh my god it, it was it was worse <laughs> it was worse than an american crime i was like but these are uh it was based on the sylvia likens case so some of that actually happened oh to god. sylvia uh, and i was just reading about how gertrude had damaged uh her genitals so i'm sure she did something along those lines yeah mm-hmm. that's just horrific horrible horrible yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It, it i guess it was one of the worst cases at that at that time that you know indianapolis had ever seen um no indiana india indiana indianapolis yes the city in indiana Oh, I didn't know. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. there was a city called that in Indiana. Okay. Yeah. Everything I was reading just showed, it just said Indiana. So I was like right. thinking it was right. <laughs> yes. Um, um at one point um they subjected Sylvia to a scalding bath in order to cleanse her of sin. Um, with Gertrude grabbing Sylvia's hair and repeatedly banging her head against the bath to revive her whenever she fainted. Ugh. Oh my God. Yes. Well, I'm glad I didn't see any of that stuff. With just what I saw, I had to keep pausing it and taking a breath. I was so, so upset and it was getting so intense. Yes. Because in, in the movie, in the, oh, it's just awful. It's just awful to watch. Yes. Horrible. Horrible. <sighs> So when you when I'm looking down because I'm reading um, some of the worst part of it, um, Sylvia, due to the increase in frequency and brutality of the torture, she became incontinent. Um, she was denied any access to the bathroom, being forced to wet herself as a form of punishment for her incontinence. Uh, Gertrude threw Likens into the basement and tied her up. So that's when she went to the basement. Um, and kept her naked, rarely fed, and frequently deprived her of water. She was tied to the railing oh my God, they didn't... Stairs, with her feet barely touching the ground. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, they didn't show half of what you're saying in the first, the one I watched. Oh, oh no. my God. But the one I watched, they put some of that in because in the in the Girl Next Door that I watched on Netflix, um, they actually had her up, you know, her wrist tied and, um, and her arms were up, you know, and they had her standing on three books. Well, to punish her, they take one book away. And then oh my god way where she could and then they took all the books away so she was standing on tiptoes while her arms were up yeah. oh my god <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it, it and the a boy in that movie um he was her friend and because she was starved and he was at a like a food truck getting something to eat and she came up to she says can you loan me some money that she's not feeding me and I'm hungry. And so he bought mm-hmm. her a hamburger. I think it was in a soda and he was really good to her. Um, but they made him watch what was going on, but he did not get involved. And towards the end, you know, they ended up tying him up because he was going to go tell. And she says, if you tell um, the 
woman in whose name was Ruth. If you tell, I will kill you both. <sighs> okay, so she actually verbally said that. See, she didn't say any of that stuff in the movie. No. She just, no. she was just, to me, I felt like she was, she was just picking on her, like finding reasons to torture her. You know, like the, where there was that one scene where all the kids from the neighborhood are downstairs with her son. The son brought over all these kids from school and yes. they the scene was, is there a showing all of them kicking Gertrude, um, kicking Sylvia on the ground and uh, all kinds of stuff. And you see Gertrude walk with her laundry basket and she just walks past them and goes up the stairs like nothing. Like she just, and then she tried to deny that shit at the end of the, at the, at the end of the movie. And blame her kids. <laughs> and blame her kids. She tried to say that all her kids were lying and that none of it happened. Yes. And, and then here, she got life in prison. Right. Huh? And here um, from Richard Hobbs um, testifying in court, Gertrude called Sylvia upstairs to the kitchen. Somehow the conversation got around to tattooing. Gertrude asked Sylvia whether she knew what a tattoo was. She said, you branded my children, so now I'm going to brand you. Um, right. Yes. Um, shortly after, Gertrude, Gertrude shouted for Sylvia to return to the kitchen and ordered her to strip, strip naked before proclaiming to her, you have branded my daughters. Now I'm going to brand you. She began carving the words, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, onto Sylvia's abdomen with a heated needle. Yeah. It mm -hmm. looked like a long in the movie. It looked like a, um, I don't know. I thought it was a paperclip because it looked like she was holding part of, you know, but yeah, I guess it was right. a, a needle. And then she had him help her finish it. I couldn't believe that. She carved that on her stomach. Poor thing. Right. That's, um, when the that's when the neighbors heard her screaming and said, oh, just ignore it. It's none of our business. Right. After, well, after she did the carving, um, Sylvia was forced to display the carving to neighborhood children with Gertrude claiming she had received the inscription at a sex party. That mm. night, Sylvia confided to her sister, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. I can tell it. The following day, Gertrude woke Sylvia, then forced her to write a letter as she dictated the contents, which were intended to mislead her parents into believing their daughter had run away from the Banaszewski residence. The contents of this letter was intended to frame a group of anonymous local boys who were extensively abusing and mutilating Sylvia after she had initially agreed to engage in sexual relations with them before they inflicted the extreme abuse and torture upon her body. After Sylvia had written this letter, Gertrude finished formulating her plan to have John Jr. and Jenny blindfold Sylvia, then take her to a nearby wooded area known as Jimmy's Forest and leave her there to die. After she finished writing the letter, Sylvia was then again tied to the spare railing off her crackers to eat, although she refused them, saying, give it to the dog, I don't want it. In response, Gertrude forced the crackers into Sylvia's mouth before she and John Benesiski beat her, particularly around the stomach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I tell you, that's why, <laughs> that's why I had to, I had to turn it off and pause it because I was getting, I, I couldn't even believe what I was watching that right. it's just horrible. Yes. Well, on October 25th, Sylvia attempted to escape from the basement after overhearing a conversation between Gertrude and John Anaziski Jr. pertaining to the family's plan to abandon her to die. She attempted to flee the front door. However, due to her extensive injuries and general weakness, Gertrude caught her before she could escape the property. Sylvia was then given toast to eat but was unable to consume that food due to her extreme state of dehydration. Gertrude forced the toast into her mouth before repeatedly striking her face with a curtain rod until sections of the instrument were bent into right angles. Coy Hubbard then took the curtain rod from Gertrude and struck Sylvia one further time, rendering her unconscious. Gertrude then dragged Sylvia into the basement. Where more violence occurred, I'm sure. Uh, that evening, Sylvia desperately attempted to alert neighbors by screaming for help and hitting the walls of the basement with a spade. One immediate neighbor of the Banaszewskis would later inform the police she had heard the desperate commotion and that she had identified the source as emanating from the basement 
at 3850 East New York Street. But that as the noise had suddenly ceased at approximately 3 a.m., she decided not to inform police about the disturbance. <laughs> it amazes me how much the public yes. ignore, ignores somebody screaming for help. Definitely. Or doesn't call them, or doesn't, if those neighbors had called the police back when they heard even the first or second screams, that torture would have never happened because they yes. would have been removed from the house. You know, you know, at the end, at the end, when they said how much time all the kids got in prison, all right. Gertrude's kids and her, I, yes. I couldn't believe that they didn't even hold the neighbors responsible. Right. Like, why didn't they do any freaking time? Yep. You know? I they guess have been given then it was different today. That possibly could happen. Um, but today, or back then in 1965, things were different. It was different back then. You know, nobody interfered in anybody's business. I mean, it was okay to beat your children, I guess. Yeah, it was. Nowadays, you can't do any of that. No, no. Um by the morning of October 26, Sylvia was unable to either speak intelligibly or correctly coordinate the movement of her limbs. Gertrude moved Sylvia into the kitchen and having propped her back against the wall, attempted to feed her a donut and a glass of milk. She threw Sylvia to the floor in frustration when Sylvia wasn't able to correctly move the glass of milk to her lips. She was then returned to the basement. Shortly thereafter, Sylvia became delirious, repeatedly moaning and mumbling. When Paula asked her to recite the English alphabet, Sylvia wasn't able to recite anything beyond the first four letters or to raise herself off the ground. In response, Paula verbally threatened her to either stand up or she would inflict a long jump upon her. Gertrude then ordered Sylvia, who then defecated, to clean herself. Oh, my God. A right? long jump on her? <sighs> it, it's it's just bad and you know what i know gertrude got life in prison and she got everything she deserved you know? right mm -hmm. yes um i had a hard time watching it too not only for the abuse but the woman that plays gertrude the abuser the yes. actress i don't remember her name i don't know her name but She's a good actress. I've seen her in a lot of movies, so it was right. hard for me to watch her. Mm -hmm. Catherine, uh, somebody. Yeah. Uh, when Stephanie and Richard decided to give Sylvia a warm, soapy bath and dress her in new clothes, they then laid her upon a mattress in one of the bedrooms. As Sylvia muttered her final wish that her daddy was here and that Stephanie would take her home, Stephanie then turned to her younger sister, Shirley, exclaiming, oh, she'll be all right. When Stephanie realized that Sylvia was not breathing, she attempted to apply mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation as Gertrude repeatedly shouted to the children in the house that Sylvia was faking her death. Sylvia was 16 years old when she finally succumbed to her injuries. <sighs> uh, Gertrude... Initially beat Sylvia's corpse with a book shouting Faker Faker in order to rouse her. However, she soon panicked and instructed Richard Hobbs to call the police from a nearby payphone. When police arrived at her address at approximately 6.30 p.m., Gertrude led the officers to Sylvia's emasculated, extensively bludgeoned, and mutilated body lying on a, upon a soiled mattress in the bedroom before handing them the letter she had forced Sylvia to write previously to her dictation. She also claimed she had been doctoring the child for an hour or more prior to her death, having applied rubbing alcohol to Sylvia's wounds. Ouch. Oh, my God. In a futile attempt at first aid before she had died. <laughs> yeah, she, she tortured her. I mean, it's just torture, torture, torture. Yes, yes. Um, and they had told Jenny, if you want to live with us, Jenny will treat you like our own sister. Um, as previously instructed by Gertrude, Jenny Likens recited the rehearsed version of events leading to Sylvia's death to police before whispering to the officers, you get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Yeah, that's what she said in the movie. Yeah, soon as and that night, the they arrested yeah. several people. Yes. Yes. And they even, yeah. even arrested Gertrude's 
I mean, amongst her children was a young boy, the one that was bringing the kids over. I think he was, he couldn't have been more than 11. He got right. quite a few years in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you. Uh... And while you're reading, while you're looking at that, um, in the movie, An American Crime Story, the one on YouTube that you can watch for free, Sylvia's played by uh, Elliot Page, formerly Emma Page. Ellen. Formerly Ellen Page. Um, yes, and there are quite a few people in there uh, that you would recognize. Um, the ones that were arrested were Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, and John Jr. Banaszewski. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, on suspicion of liking Sylvia's murder, with hours of the discovery uh, within hours of the discovery of her body, uh, that same day, Coy Hubbard and Richard Hobbs were also arrested and charged with the same offense. The three eldest Banaszewski children, plus Coy Hubbard, were placed in the custody of a nearby juvenile detention center. The younger Banaszewski children and Richard Hobbs were detained at the Indianapolis Children's Guardians Home. All were held without bail pending trial. Um, five other neighborhood children who had participated in Sylvia's abuse, Michael, oh, yeah. Monroe, Randy Shepard, Darlene McGuire, Judy Dugan, Anna Sisko, had also been arrested on October, by October 29. All were charged with causing injury to person, each subsequently released into the custody of their parents under subpoena to appear as witness at the upcoming trial. <sighs> See, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the autopsy revealed she had suffered in excess of 150 separate wounds across her entire body, in addition to being extremely emaciated at the time of her death. The wounds themselves varied in location, nature, severity, and the stage of healing. Her injuries included burns, severe bruising, and extensive muscle and nerve damage. Her vaginal cavity was also almost swollen shut. Oh, my uh, God. Uh-huh. Um, all of Sylvia's fingernails were broken backwards. And most of the yeah. And most of the external layers of skin upon the child's face, breast, neck, and right knee had peeled or receded. In her death throes, Sylvia had evidently bitten through her lips, partially severing sections of them from her face. The official cause of Sylvia's death. Oh my God. Yes. Because she was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. The official cause of her death was listed by coroner, um, Dr. Arthur Kevel, as subdural, subdural hematoma due to her receiving severe blow to her right temple. Both the shock she had primarily suffered due to the severe prolonged damage inflicted to her skin and subcutaneous tissues, plus the severe malnutrition were listed as contributory factors to her death. Rigor mortis had fully developed at the time of the discovery of her body indicating Sylvia may have been deceased for up to eight hours before she was found. Although Dr. Cable, Kebble did not, did note Sylvia had been recently bathed possible after death. And this is, this act could have hastened the loss of body temperature and the speeding onset of rigor mortis. God, <sighs> yeah. awful. Her four, yeah. poor parents. Right. So, uh, Gertrude was given life and she um, was released in 1985. Uh, and she died five years later. But she, in the movie, they said that she actually admitted finally that she did, she was responsible for everything that happened to her. I don't know. Does it say that in there? Uh, because at the, in the during the court hearing and stuff, she denied that she did anything to her. Right. She blamed it on her. She said that her kids were lying about everything, but that she did admit it before she died. Right. She, she should. They um, should have left her ass in prison and let her die there, alone in a cell in a dark cell. That's where they should have left her. But right. I'm not here to judge. Uh, Man upstairs actually, will judge there her. was a retrial. There was retrials. Uh, uh, Gertrude and Paula on the basis that the judge had denied repeatedly submitted motions by their defense counsel at their original trial for both the charge of venue and separate trials. 
um, the pair were retried in 71. Paula Banaszewski opted to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter rather than face a retrial. She was sentenced to serve a term of between two and 20 years. Um, mm -hmm. uh, having, she tried to attempt to escape prison in 1971 twice. She was released in December of 72. Gertrude, however, was again convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Over the course of the following 14 years, Gertrude became known as a model prisoner at the Indiana Women's Prison. She worked in the prison sewing shop and was known as somewhat of a den mother to younger female inmates, becoming known to somewhat um, some in the prison by the nickname Mom. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Like she yeah. should even be allowed to be called that. No. She, um, with her parole hearing, Banaszewski stated her wish that Sylvia's death could be undone, although she minimized her responsibility for any of her actions, stating, I'm not sure what role I had in Sylvia's death because I was on drugs. I never really knew her. I take full responsibility for whatever happened to Sylvia. <sighs> she was released on December 4th, 1985. She should have never been released. No. No, I mean, life in prison and she got out. How do you get a sentence of life in prison? Well, and then you because get out? you can get life in prison in prison and be eligible for parole after so many years. Uh, you shouldn't be. Obviously, if you're going to sentence somebody to life in prison, why would you give them an opportunity to be let out? On I parole? agree. I agree. I yeah. I mean, if you're giving if you're giving somebody a fucking life sentence, obviously, whatever they they deserve to be in there and they should have to so why would you let them out on good behavior yeah she should have never been let out right well imagine if she was out. in california i mean look what they just happened to scott peterson <laughs> fuck that motherfucker <laughs> i agree yeah that's a piece of shit right there yeah straight yep. up piece of shit here yes he is so that is a tragic story Ugh. and you know i'm sure she's resting in peace long before she actually passed away you know she didn't yes. it's just sad i mean you know, I want, we should, we should so do a um well her parents i don't i don't think her parents are still alive but maybe um, her sister no, is uh, I haven't looked into that. Uh, I know her sister. I think her sister died in 2005. Her parents died. Okay, here it is. Elizabeth and Lester Likens died in 1998 and 2013, respectively. In the years prior to her own death, Jenny Likens Wade had repeatedly emphasized no blame should be acted upon either of her parents replacing her and Selby in the care of Gertrude, stating all her parents had done was trust Gertrude's promise to actually care for them until their return to Indiana with the traveling carnival. Um, yeah. I don't blame her parents at all. Right. I mean, uh, she, you know, as far as, as far as the parents knew, she was the church-going woman because they all went to the same church and she had kids, you know, yeah, and they were also trying to help Gertrude. They were trying to help Gertrude out financially, but they, the father, did say in the movie, like he didn't really, they didn't know Gertrude, you nope. know. So, right. Next time, uh, yeah, just leaving kids with anybody. That's the only thing. Yes, Jenny Likens later married an Indianapolis native named Leonard Reese Wade. The couple had two children, although she remained traumatized by the abuse she had been forced to watch her sister endure. For the remainder of her life, Jenny was dependent upon anxiety medication. She died of a heart attack on June 23rd, 2004, at the age of 54. At the time of her death, Jenny resided in Beach Grove, Indiana. 14 oh, years gosh. before her death, yes, 14 years before her death, Jenny Likens Wade had viewed Gertrude Banaszewski's obituary in newspaper. She clipped a section from the newspaper, then mailed it to her mother with an accompanying note reading, some good news, Damel Gertrude died. Ha ha, I am happy about that. Yeah. Oh, Jenny sent that to her mom? Uh-huh. 14 years before Jenny died. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> Good for her. Well, I don't blame her. She had every right to say ha to her. But, yeah. you know, that's sad that Jenny died at 54. She's very young. Yes. And she probably, you know, she was taking anxiety pills and she, what did she die from? A heart attack. Is it a heart attack? Mm-hmm. Probably from her yeah. medication. It could have been. Yeah. And on top of it, on top of it, she probably was depressed her whole life. I mean, thinking about her sister and all the shit she saw. I mean, can you imagine living with that in your mind? Right. Yes. It would break my heart. You know, now she's with her mom and her dad and her sister. Yes. In June of 2001. Yes. In June of 2001, a six foot tall granite memorial was formally dedicated to Sylvia Likens, Likens Legacy in Willard Park, Washington Street, Indianapolis. This dedication was attended by several hundred people, including members of the Likens family. The memorial itself is described with these words. This memorial is in memory of a young child who died a tragic death. As a result, laws change and awareness increased. This is a commitment to our children that the Indianapolis Police Department is working to make this a safe city for our children. Ugh. Yeah, tragic story. My heart went yes. out to Sylvia. Yes. Every lash and everything she got in that oh. movie, I was like, it hurts more to watch it because you know in your mind it was a true story and this actually happened to some child you know? Yes. And that she died from those injuries. Yeah. And there was nobody that could protect her. Nobody, nobody there, you know, somebody should have been able to protect her and nobody did. And for Gertrude, well, I'm, I'm really shocked that one of the things that shocked me was out of all those children, Gertrude's children and I know Gertrude's children were probably just basically scared of their own mother, but they're all those other children that came from the neighborhood. Not, it surprised me that not one of them told their parents. I agree. You know? I agree. Because yes. if, if you're in a room, if you're in a room with a hundred children or a hundred adults and you tell everybody the same story and you tell them, don't tell anyone, there's always going to be someone that leaks that. Yes. And the fact yeah. that the, the, the age group of all those children involved, the Gertrude children and all the neighborhood kids, like not one of them fucking said anything. And I oh, mean, we'll never know. One <laughs> of them might've went home and told their parents, Hey, you know, I think somebody's being, you know, and their parents didn't believe them. I don't right. know, but it, I, it just, it, I just trip out on that, that no one in, in, and if anyone, the closest that would have reported it or would have been those neighbors next door, you know, and they didn't. They didn't. In that yeah. movie that I watched, uh, The Girl Next Door, the girl in the movie, her name was Meg. And she actually did tell a police officer. And it made it worse for her because that cop went to the house and said, look, I, you know, there's a report. And, you know, um, they showed it like uh, they didn't show it. So it was off screen type of thing. But when, you know, Meg got back, she got in big trouble and got, you know, abused and abused and abused. And then um, the kid in the movie um, that was trying to protect her, he actually um, went to the police. But, oh, okay. But, you know, it was reported as another kid's parents had said something. Um, and the kid was down in the basement. And he tells the woman, you better go answer the door because it could be that police officer coming back. So, and it oh. was... Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, they tied him up when they were going to burn her genitals, he's like, no. And he turned to run away and the oldest kid grabbed him, tied him up. And um, yeah, he was trying not to watch. I mean, it, it was, yeah, it was sad. The tragic story. Awful. It is. It is. It's horrible. You know, it's weird how like I'm 50 years old and I, I mean, I grew up in the eighties, but right. I hear so many, I hear so many, like, I've never heard any awful stories through anybody I know that had ever been abused, like the way Sylvia was abused. But it seems like back in the fifties, a lot of children were abused because um, 
a lot of them are the older generation now. And, and I hear stuff from all kind of people, even in my own family. And I'm just like, my mother, know, my it, mother. Yes. Um, my grandmother died when my mother was 10 and she had, you know, uh, two sisters and a brother with my mom being the second oldest and my aunt Carolyn being uh -huh. the youngest. Um, and they were, you know, my grandfather, I guess, for some reason, didn't want to hear the kids and the girls were sent to some aunt or something or uncle and he abused the girls, especially my mother. Well, they ended up in, you know, in a orphanage, <laughs> even though their father was alive, you know, and that affected my mom for years to come. That's where my parents met was in that orphanage and neither one of them were orphans. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they were uh, nine and 10 years old, my parents, uh, when they met, because my dad was nine, my mom was 10, um, maybe a little older, maybe my mom was 11 by then, and my dad might have been 10, so, mm -hmm. but that's where they met, wow. the yeah, my mom was sexually abused, yes, yes, so, I don't know the whole, the details on it, I just know a little bit of what I've heard, so, yeah, so, it affected my mom for years. Mm -hmm. oh I'm sure yeah yeah that's so because you can't you can't ever get that stuff out of your head no no mm -mm. no and that's why I never understood with my mother her being sexually abused as a child why she never um uh protected me and didn't believe me when I told her what happened to me um you know it's like against her own husband so it's like okay mom whatever but that's a different story <laughs> yeah there's a, yeah uh, you could get really deep with that one. Oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway so well, that, that's um, for yeah we don't want anybody to get if anybody out there knows anybody that's being abused or if you hear anything of you hear any sounds or kids screaming just call the police so they can go over and check it out don't ignore it yeah to me you ignore it you're just a fucking idiot you want to ignore right. it and there are child abuse just turn the other out there. yes if you want to remain anonymous there are child abuse hotlines out there i should have gotten the number yeah. and we could have added it in um but i'm sure they're easy to find um, be anonymous if you don't want people to know it was you because you're worried about repercussions on that. Why you would be is beyond me because if I knew of a child being abused, you can damn well bet that I'd let them know I was the one that called. And if you want to come after me, you go right on ahead because I could fight. <laughs> I'm not an innocent child. Right. <sighs> so on you that have note. To reach out. Um. Yeah, you have to report it. You can't just turn the other cheek against people because no, no, too much happens to these innocent children. So on yeah. that note, I think we could close out. Um, I do have a hotline number here for a national domestic violence hotline or any kind of abuse. Uh, you can call 1-800-799. 7233 and those numbers 1-800-799-7233 and the last four digits of that phone number spell out the word safe so it would be 1-800-799-SAFE if anybody out there needs help or anything so yes but we just wanted to do this podcast tonight so we can get that story out and yes. you know mind people that i'm sure we'll do other yeah. ones on other um, on other true crime stories um mm -hmm. this one just i don't know it hit me it hit me hard i don't know why it just always had stuck with me so mm -hmm. well just, may sylvia Lichen and her whole family rest in peace now and now they're all together in a peaceful more in a more peaceful environment Definitely. They're not Definitely. in any pain anymore. So, I mean, even her family suffered, I'm sure, every way after she passed away. I mean, I can't even imagine her, her parents and her mother. I mean, 
the scene in the movie where her mother's crying over her uh, when she shows her her stomach. I, I just, I lost it. It was terrible. Yes, and that uh, was only in a dream that she was having. No, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that because I don't want to, I don't want to well, ruin it for anybody for that. Right, part, right. I know well, spoiler alert. <laughs> That's okay. If they watch it, they watch it. My, I tried to tell my mother the story today and she she freaked out. She was like, no, nah, I don't want to watch that. I can't see that. So some people they can't handle the abuse stuff because of it, right. it happening in their own life. So exactly. it's understandable, but yes, it is a hard movie to watch. So people need to be aware. Yes. So yes. And remember, <sighs> if you have any comments, if you want to send us a, a voice message, um, all of our links will will be there um you can go to our you know our facebook page all you know we'll have the links at the end of the podcast so um and we will have another podcast very soon <laughs> yes yes next one will be, be a, a, you know, part yeah part two of our ufo and paranormal yes so, yes so everybody got have a such good yes Oh, sorry. I was just going to say we're doing it because we got a lot of good raves about the first one. So definitely a lot of listeners. Mm -hmm. And we switched things yeah. up because we're actually videoing this, but you'll only hear our audio. <laughs> so I think we were a little better this time. Not too much talking over each other. <laughs> we can see each other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So we're we not will, ready for a uh, virtual YouTube though. <laughs> we are not ready for virtual. No, no. <laughs> maybe someday we'll graduate to that. Yeah. But, so. So everybody have a good night and be sure and listen. Yep. Have a good night and uh, thanks for listening everybody. And we will see you on the next podcast. Bye-bye. There's a link on our Facebook page at Drinks to Conversation podcast that you can leave voice messages with feedback, suggestions, or how you like us. Our Twitter is at Drinks and Comb, C-O-N-V. Our email is Drink to Conversation podcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram is Drinks to Conversation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And on Pocket Casts. Also, my personal email is christydcpc at gmail.com. Tiffany's email is tiffanydcpc at gmail.com.